0: Natasha Mason. Hi. She's got me giggling. We had to start this twice because she was being funny. So uh, we are glad to be back with you on the podcast. We are coming back to you again with the study of the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, This week, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 9, verse 23 through verse 43. We're going to finish out the chapter, uh, chapter 9 of the book of Acts. Um, In the review, a really brief review of what happened uh, already in the book of Acts, we have Saul in his early conversion um, where he is approached on the road to Damascus. He is blinded and he is told that he is going to be used by the Lord. Um, Ananias is also told to go down and to heal Saul so that Saul could be of use to the Lord. Um, He talked to him and called him brother And he referred to him in that because Saul had been uh, accepted as a believer. And Ananias had to accept that because God had said so. So Saul uh, had gone into the local synagogues and had decided to preach. And um, the people, they were very sore, I guess the scripture would say a word, but their feelings were very hurt. They were tender. Um, they really didn't appreciate that Saul was um, preaching to them in this way. And, and the scripture says that they really couldn't refute anything that he said because he preached uh, from the Old Testament and the Word of God. And they, and they, couldn't even stand against his arguments um, that Jesus was a Messiah. And so uh, in verse 23, we leave off with Saul. He's gone away into um, Arabia. He's there for three years, and he's gone to, uh, assumedly to preach the gospel. There's really not any good record of what Saul did there. We assume he went to the Galatians, um, and then he returns. And so we pick up in verse 23, and uh, Natasha will start reading, and we'll go from there.
1: And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him.
0: So in that verse, they're, they're taking uh, counsel to kill Saul. He's come back from Arabia after three years. They're really angry with Saul because they have no way to... Um to free themselves from his arguments and influence, um, they really are not able to. Uh, they're not able to refute anything he says about Messiah, about Yeshua, and so um, they really basically come down to the point to where the, they want to do the same thing they did with C- Stephen. They want to put him to death because they're just tired of dealing with him and, and they want him out of their hair.
1: But their laying a was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him.
0: So Saul was in the city, and uh, the scripture says that they were laying in wait to kill him. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter eleven, verse thirty-two and thirty-three um, tell us exactly how Saul escaped from the city. Uh, it also goes on here in the next verse to tell us, um, but it's very much in the uh, same manner as Jacob. I'm sorry, Joshua. Um, Joshua escaped the city and was let down in a basket. Um, David, when he was pursued by Saul, escapes in the same manner, he's let down from the city wall in a basket. Um, and read the next verse, if you don't mind.
1: Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket.
0: There we go. So Saul is, he's become aware that uh, a garrison of soldiers is waiting for him at the gate and they're going to capture him and they're going to kill him, um, as the, um, as they were trying to do and so as the uh, the disciples and apostles there became aware of it they decided we've got to get him out of the city so they take him to a window and apparently they use these baskets because in the actual Greek word the basket there is used as to, to reference a food basket so they use this basket they would pass it out a window and they would lower it down and raise it up and bring food up to um, the room and so saul was able to escape the city in the same basket that they were using to take food out in continue on
1: and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple.
0: So I was reading this. This is really interesting because um, you have the story. You know, Saul goes down to Damascus. He uh, he goes to persecute the Jews, uh, the believers there, um, those who have converted. And he, he himself converts because the Lord calls him out. He goes away for three years and he's preaching away in Arabia from Jerusalem and the surrounding cities. And as and in technological days like we live now, um, if someone who were, um, if there was a great Richard Dawkins, let's use him for example, he's a great atheist in the world. Everybody knows this man is a massive atheist. If Richard Dawkins got saved tomorrow, it would be spread all over the earth by sundown tomorrow night. So the idea um, that in this this time when Saul was alive, that uh, messages and the word of mouth and all these things traveled so slowly. Um, and so by the time Saul has come back three years later and and it, perhaps that no one really wanted to talk about it when he left, um, but he's come back and he's come back to Jerusalem and he's seeking counsel and they're afraid of him because they remember the last time he was in Jerusalem, he was there when Stephen was killed and uh, he was a part of that. And so they have a hard time believing that Saul has converted and uh it's it would i could see them being you know struggling to understand um this conversion of this man who was a chief persecutor of the christians
1: but barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus.
0: So uh, in that verse there, we see he's come to the apostles. Um, The original text indicates that he only came to see two. He came to see Peter and James. Um, and they were concerned about him and um, that the rest of the, the indication in the scriptures, the rest of the apostles were not even there. Um, so he goes to talk to these two and he has to another man has to come in this Barnabas. He has to come in as a witness and he's witness to what happened to Saul. And so he's telling them that he is he's come to believe in, in Jesus as the savior. Um, so it really he was really reinforcing what Saul was saying um, so that Peter and James would both believe.
1: And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him.
0: Here we go again. So um, if you're, there's a, I believe it's verse 28 when it says he's there. um, What does it say in verse 28 again?
1: And he was with them coming in and going out of Jerusalem.
0: So uh, the estimate here is he's only in Jerusalem at this time for a period of about 15 total days. He's only there with uh, Peter and James for 15 days when the Grecians, the Hellenistic Jews, the Greeks who were the Jews that were not uh, born in Jerusalem, uh, they've come in. Now, these are the same Greeks who actually had Stephen killed the uh, Grecians. Um, And so now they've seen that the, the, the persecutor has turned into the uh, believer. And so they're really upset and, and they realize that they have no way to contend with his arguments either. So they seek about now. I mean, it's, it's, it's Saul at this point is really, this is the second group of people have tried to kill the man um, in the name of Jesus. And so it's really interesting um, that (laughs) they were going to try this. Go ahead.
1: Which when the brethren, knew they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus.
0: So, uh, yeah, right there. I'll stop real quick. Um, so here you can go to Acts 22, 17 through 21. Uh, later on in the in the book of Acts, and he's going to describe that at this point, Saul himself was in the temple and he was in a trance. And the Lord had revealed to him that he needed to go, that he needed to leave. He needed to go back to Tarsus. He needed to go back down um, to preach the gospel. And so he was willing, even though he's only there a short time, 15 days, um, he's willing to go with the brethren instead of saying, no, 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 I, I'm here to see you know stay with Peter and James. Um, They're saying you need to go back You need to go back to Tarsus You need to get out of the city And so they take him out
1: Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea And Galilee and Samaria And were edified And walking in the fear of the Lord And in the comfort of the Holy Ghost Were multiplied
0: so in this period, it's it's a lot of commentaries on this portion of Scripture really interesting because they feel like um, that Saul himself had caused such an uproar in Jerusalem when he came back, that the, uh, the temple was in an uproar and the Grecians and the Hellenistic Jews were in an uproar and they wanted to kill him, so that when Saul left... Things quieted down and things calmed down. The persecution calmed down, and so at this, in this, it gave them the opportunity, gave Peter and James the opportunity to go and visit the church that was, the body of Christ that was spread about, that was spread abroad. Um, So uh, that's really kind of what happens here. Things calmed down um, in Jerusalem and through the, the land at this period.
1: And it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which he which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy.
0: So here, uh, I'll throw this out real quick. Um, in the last verse with Saul went away. This is the last time we're going to see Saul until chapter 11 of acts uh, because from now on it's not it's not going to talk about him anymore Um, but peter goes down into lida um, which is a town in the tribe of ephraim Um, there it was it was said to be 10 leagues from jerusalem it's it's nearby Um, and so he meets a man there and this man is is laid upon his bed he's he's had a palsy that has put him in this bed. And he's been here for eight years. And I think the scripture is pointing out the, the um, condition of the man and the length of his condition so that we could see how great a miracle it is. Um, in his name in the scripture is Aeneas or Ananias, um, and, and that would be a Greek name. And in the Hebrew, his name would have been um, Hananiah. Um, so in those days, there were two different names. You'll see that later on with another uh, person that comes up in this chapter. They would have a Greek name and they would have a Hebrew name. Um, and so uh, this is this man. Now, uh, there are some speculation about this man because Anias, uh and, and I can't even say his name right, Um he, There was a story of a great general who was at the city of Troy when it fell, and that was his name. And he left and went to Italy, and then he went further on into the realms around Jerusalem and the, the outlying areas near Lydda and some of these other places. So some speculation exists that this perhaps is this great general who has really fallen um, ill, Um, and who is now weak and embarrassed because of who he is. But there's no real evidence or proof there. It's just speculation. But it was really interesting getting into some of the story about who this man might have been and what was going on there. But he was well-known in the area. Everyone knew who he was. Everyone knew that he had had this problem um, for many years and that he was in a uh, real desperate situation.
1: And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ, maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed, and he arose immediately.
0: So we have here Peter is is we talked about this earlier. Remember when um, Ananias and Sapphira come? Uh, no, I'm sorry, not them. It wasn't Ananias and Sapphira. It was the man who tried to buy. The gift, the power of the Holy Spirit, you remember him. Mm-hmm. So he is mistakenly thinking that Peter has the ability to sell this, to share this. you could you have it, the power in you, you can share it with me. Here Peter is making it absolutely 100% clear that the power is not of himself. is proclaiming that is of Jesus Christ Jesus Christ makes you whole and this is a very important very important thing that people even in our current society need to understand healing itself does not come from the man who claims to be doing it there are too many people walking around today saying they have the gift of healing and the ability to heal folks and it's me who can heal people when even Peter here says that is Jesus Christ is going to raise this man up off the bed because Peter is making the the uh, he's trying to put it out there. This is not me. This is not something I'm doing. Um, obviously, the Holy Spirit had spoken to Peter and said, tell this man to get up, and, and this is what he does.
1: And all that dwelt at Lida and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which, by interpretation, is called Dorcas.
0: Right. So here we have another we have another person here with two names. Um, the man in his bed. Really quick, go back to that real quick. Uh, Peter tells him to get up and to make his bed, and he does. Um, the reason he made his bed was to show the perfection of the healing that was in him. He could have said, "Get up and you know and leave things the way they are and going about your business," but we saw this with Jesus where he heals a man and he he picks up his bed. He takes his bed up. Remember the man they let down through the ceiling through the roof. And he took up his bed and he went leaping in the street because it's this picture of completion, this picture of perfection. And so uh, what what Peter here with this, this man who's lame is trying to illustrate to us is that Christ completes us. Even in our weakness, he's made strong, and he makes us what he wants us to be. And so we can pick up. There's, some, there's a lot of preach here in that one verse, man, I'm telling you, um, that we can put our hope and trust in him, that he is going to perfect who we are. And we could pick up what we have and move along in joy. So then we come to this next passage where there's another, um, read that one more time if you don't mind.
1: Now, there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas.
0: So we have another disciple here who is... Has two names, just as I'd mentioned. We we have a Greek and a Hebrew name here. Um, interestingly enough, this is a female, and she's a disciple, so she's out ministering. Now, everyone has a different opinion of how uh, what uh, are there male disciples and female disciples? Absolutely. Um, everyone's ministry within the body of Christ is a different type of ministry. Um, some are given to preach, and some are given to teach, and some are given to keep the poor, and some are given to uh, deal with the widows, and some are. Everyone has a different function. But a disciple of Christ is anyone. It's, it's a male, female. Uh, it doesn't even, it doesn't recognize that, um, the gender really there. And so the scripture here is saying she was here. She's a disciple of Christ. And it talks about something that's going on with her.
1: This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber.
0: All right. So th- this is Jewish custom. Um, and she was obviously Jewish. Um, it- it's a custom of them. They, they go to bury the, the dead quickly. Um, they would wash the bodies and they would, uh, they would try to get them in the ground. And if I'm correct, I could be wrong here, but I believe it's 24 hours. They try to get them in the ground as quickly as possible. Um, they didn't use embalming like the Egyptians, um, which is a lot of a current embal- embalming comes from that cultural uh, idea. But they-, they went with the natural wrapping in linen, putting in the ground, We saw this with Lazarus. We saw this with Jesus. They bury the same way they they cover with spices and things, Um, but they, they do this washing. Um, There's a couple different ways they do it with hot water and cold water and things of that nature. Um, The reason they put her in the upper room here, the verse mentions, they put her body in the upper room uh, because in this, uh, according to um, some historical texts, the uh, doctors in this area, this is where they met. uh, They would always counsel would meet in the upper rooms and stuff like that. So they put her up in the upper room of a home um, you know, if they wanted to go up in prayer, they wanted to, you know, somebody wanted to be there, they could be there um, uh, where she was.
1: And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them.
0: Right. So let's stop there. So I'll throw this out for you today. So remember what I said about the scripture. Um, the Bible itself is alive and it's real. And the places that are mentioned in the Bible um, tend to, other than Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, they're gone, but you could find the remnants. These places tend to still exist. And and in the scripture, it is called Joppa. Um, and Joppa in our current day is the city of Jaffa. Um, I don't know if you've heard of, you heard of Jaffa before. Jaffa? So Jaffa is a, uh, okay, but there's the city of, uh, no, (laughs) not that. So this would be Jaffa. It's a city in uh, Tel Aviv. It's at the South end of Tel Aviv. It's the oldest city. It's still there today, but it's referred to as Jaffa in the scripture. It would have been uh, a a Y instead of a J because we know that like Yerushalayim. So this would have been something similar to Jaffa. Um, So uh, the city is still there and it's really cool. Um, So continue on.
1: Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while so- she was with them.
0: Yeah, so her ministry, we see here that her ministry as a disciple of Christ was to take care of widows. That was her specific ministry. And did she preach and teach to them? No, she made them garments. She made them clothes. She made them things they could wear. She made things to comfort and to take care of them. That was her ministry. And her ministry was so strong, and the people were so moved by what she did. The widows were so moved by her compassion that when she died, they were standing there with these garments in their hands, and they were crying because they lost a friend. They lost someone who loved them and someone who helped them in their time of grief. And who who walked them through that? Now Peter here, Peter was out and about, and these men came and said, "Would you come quickly? Right, you need to come quickly." Um, so what probably happened here is that Dorcas got sick. She got sick ahead of time, and they said, "Go and get Peter, so he could come and heal her." He needs to come and heal her. She's but not. She
1: had died. Before correct. Got there.
0: So by the time they come back, she's dead. She's uh, she's passed away. Um, this is the first. Um, Stephen is the first martyr. Uh, of Christianity, this is the first Christian saint to die of natural causes in the Scripture that we see, um, natural causes of death. And so there's there's uh, there's something interesting. We'll just continue on.
1: But uh, Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body, said, "Tabitha, arise!" And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows presented her alive and it was known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord and it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a tanner.
0: Right so uh, interesting we'll go back a little bit so Peter is in there and he asked the widows to leave so he can pray with the body. I don't think Peter even knew that he was going to Um, ask her to rise. He was going to raise her from the dead or that she was going to raise from the dead, but he started to pray. And somewhere in his prayers, he is led by the Holy Spirit to speak to her body, to wake up and to rise from the dead. Uh, One of the interesting commentaries that I read about this said, um, you know, she's dead. And if we believe, as the scripture says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, then she would have been in her present glory with God. She would have been with God. And to be raised from the dead is to be called back from that. Um, And the commentary said, how miserable it must've been to realize that you were in the presence in the glory of God and now you're back in the human form in the world of suffering. And it said, uh, interestingly enough, it said, so must be the mind of God that he places a veil between those two things so that and we read this in the in the scripture when it talks about when we go to heaven. Right. So that we don't remember the latter or we might not remember the former. So uh, the things she might have experienced when she was dead with the Lord, she didn't probably remember when she came back from the dead. Um, and so this way she wouldn't grieve, you know, um, having been with God and being back, but now she can still find joy in the Lord in her ministry to continue on in that work. And so it's really, it's really an interesting idea because there's all these, these people who say they die and come back and they remember things about heaven. And, and it's always seems just bizarre and outrageous. You know, it just seems really out there. Um, but it is interesting that, that it's a possibility. I, I think when we die to be with them, we go to be with the Lord, are we going to remember all the former things of all the things on the earth and all of our family and, and all these things? Is it going to be these these? harsh memories that we have to remember. So really some interesting ideas behind her being resurrected from the dead. But this is also, again, the first uh, believer who died natural causes, who was raised from the dead to show that there is a resurrection in Christ. And this is what these people being brought back from the dead. That's the example that the, they're, they're trying to, to establish here is that we believe in God and we believe in Yeshua, Jesus, and that we believe the resurrection will occur. And you know how we know this is going to occur. Not only did Yeshua, himself did God raise from the dead, but others are being raised as well. Others have been raised from the dead as well, so that we know that we will not stay in that state of, of death, that our, our bodies will be raised and glorified with God. So at the end of the scripture, we come to uh, this verse. Uh, go to read it one more time.
1: And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner.
0: Ah, Simon the tanner. So this really sets the scene for chapter 10. Um, Simon the tanner, this is really important because if you don't understand cleanliness um, in the Jewish custom and culture, um, you're, you wouldn't really understand what's getting ready to happen here. So I'll explain a little bit, and then we'll go into chapter 10 next week and really cover a little more of it. Simon the tanner dealt with uh, animals. He dealt with animal hides. Um, in the Talmud, which is not scripture, which is a rabbinical opinion, but in the Talmud, tanners were viewed as unclean, unworthy people because they dealt with um, dead animals and really was touching dead things. You weren't supposed to mess with dead things. Um, they found the necessity of this man to make things for them, but at the same time, they didn't want to have a part in touching something that was dead because it, it appeared, it made you seem unclean. And so we have Peter here going to stay with a tanner, which is already in its own right, setting a a standard for what's to come is that Peter is, is, is inadvertently, and he will see this in chapter 10, he's inadvertently working the will of God that there's no such thing to me as an unclean person that God and, and the, uh, the savior, Yeshua, Jesus is meant for all of mankind. And so we'll see that in chapter 10, as we go into it. So this closes out chapter nine, really interesting. Saul has gone on to, Uh, Tarsus where he's from, he was Saul of Tarsus. So he's gone on to Tarsus and Peter is doing some works here. We'll see it in chapter 10. Saul comes back into the picture. Um, In chapter 11, and for we know for the majority of, you know, the New Testament, he continues to write and to share the gospel. So there's really some great things coming up, some really interesting things that you may have never heard or you didn't know. Um, Some scripture verses that you may have passed over and maybe you never heard a sermon on it. So we're going to get into those things. Really hope you enjoy this uh, study of the book of Acts. We um, would ask that you would share it with your friends and family. Um, Join us each week as we add on to a little bit more of it and uh, we get into the historical side of it and we get into the biblical side of it and we get into the principles of God's word. I want to thank you all for listening and we hope the Lord continues to bless you and we will talk to you again.
1: Bye.